and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. There's a story playing out in Atlanta, Georgia, that has implications for the entire nation in how it's playing out. There is a neighborhood in Atlanta For those of you who watch Tucker Carlson, you've heard about the situation. Uh, It's been covered by CNN and MSNBC as well. Uh, Typically on those stations, they frame it as a racial issue. I think Tucker and Fox have actually framed it accurately. The mayor in Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, uh, came in with a, a lot of hope and expectations that she would do well. A lot of well-wishers. She was not from the traditional campaign apparatus uh, and political machine in Atlanta. She was an outsider. She was opposed by a lot of the insiders. And so a lot of people wished her well when she came in, myself included, and she turned out to be a disaster. She decided to placate the mob. She emboldened the mob. It led to deaths. It led to police quitting. It led to a crime wave that she's been incapable of solving. Her genius idea for solving the crime wave in Atlanta is to create a department within the city that's to keep people safe. If I had a cricket sound effect, I would play it. She wants to create a new department of the city designed to keep people safe. You mean the police? Well, the police have all quit because of her. There's an area of Atlanta called Buckhead. Buckhead is the financial center of the city. 40% of the property tax revenue of the city comes from this one neighborhood. The houses are massive. I've always wanted to live in the area, to be honest. Hadn't gotten paid enough yet. There's the financial center is there. You have the Waldorf Astoria, the Intercontinental Hotel, the Grand Hyatt Hotel. Um, The schools are good. The major uh, shopping centers are there. Well, the crime wave has spilled over in Buckhead. A few months ago, a, a man was jogging down the street, and a youth of the city of Atlanta drove past and gunned him down, just randomly. Didn't know him, just decided to shoot him. Uh, last night in uh, Phipps Plaza, which is a mall in, in the prestigious area of Buckhead, it's where you have the, the Louis Vuitton store and you've got the Saks Fifth Avenue store and the Nordstrom's, there was a murder. In Lenox Mall, which has always been the gold standard mall of North Atlanta, the, the uh, rich white people go to Lenox Mall. They've now got metal detectors at the doors. Crime is a problem. I have in the past stayed at a particular hotel. There was a shooting at that hotel a few months ago. I've started staying at the Waldorf Astoria typically because, well, I had. There's a story there we'll get to. Um, I was staying at the Waldorf because it's uh, very enclosed and and guarded and safe. It is uh, an indoor walled garden area. It's hard to get into unless you go through the front door. And they've got good security. And so I have felt more comfortable staying there as have the people who deal with my security. They've wanted me there. It's a little more expensive than the other hotels, but it's safer. The ingress and egresses is more difficult for those who aren't staying there. And now I've had to uh, go over to the Intercontinental, which I've stayed at a lot in the past, 
Uh, they're undergoing some renovations, but so Kanye West's, all the people he was making his new album with were at the Waldorf Astoria, and all the rooms smell like marijuana now, and they're having to renovate. Yeah. Bloomberg City Lab plus equality. They've got the story. It's written by Britton Mock, a writer and editor for City Lab in Pittsburgh, focusing on issues of racial equity, economic inequities, and environmental climate justice. In other words, he's a progressive. So naturally, he's going to give this a progressive framing. Listen to this. For those leading a campaign to secede from the city of Atlanta, an uptick in crime has been a headline-grabbing way to rally residents to their side, but tucked neatly behind the issue is another that's just as animating, housing. Residents of the area collectively known as Buckhead in northern Atlanta are trying to ward off new proposals working their way through city planning channels that would allow for more multifamily housing, and many of them are willing to create a new city to prevent this from happening. Changes now being proposed by the city of Atlanta would subdivide residential lot sizes, increase housing density, decimate the tree canopy, tangle traffic and strain resources, reads the website of the Buckhead City Committee, the organization lobbying to form a new city. Such devastation proposed ostensibly to increase affordable housing will only enrich developers at the cost of Buckhead's livability. The argument is running up against Atlanta's housing crunch. Atlanta planners anticipate the city's population could more than double to 1.2 million by 2050, and leaders are looking to convert more single-family homes into multifamily dwellings. Currently, about 60% of the city's residential zones restrict such arrangements. They would also like to rezone areas within a half-mile radius of public transit stations so that moderately-sized apartment buildings could be built nearby. One to four units per building would be the standard, but a developer could build as many as eight units if one of them is below market rate, and as many as 12 if two or more are below market. Notice how quickly this all changes then into race issues as well. He goes all the way back to 1929 when Atlanta was divided into racial zones, R1 white district and R2 color district. After a U.S. Supreme Court ruling prohibited explicit segregation, R1 became dwelling house, R2 became apartment house. To this day, much of Atlanta is organized that way. And while Buckhead City supporters have fought aggressively to ward off zoning changes, the proposed zoning reforms wouldn't apply to the bulk of that area. The legislation exempts several kinds of single-family zoning districts, districts that happen to cover the majority of Buckhead. So now here's the thing. I happen to be very familiar with this area. This area actually is where a lot of my listeners are. And I can tell you that race is the furthest thing from their mind what is on their mind is that their police force has abandoned them. A lot of the police officers who quit after the mayor of Atlanta began blaming police came from the Buckhead area. And there's been no reassignment of police personnel. Crime has gone up astronomically in the area. There are shootings on a daily basis now where there used to be none. There are car break-ins where there used to be none. There is gang violence where there used to be none. There is shoplifting and burglary where there used to be very little of it. But here comes the out-of-state media. 
here comes the MSNBCs and the Bloombergs of the world and the CNNs of the world that used to be Atlanta-based. And these mostly white people in Buckhead are now racists. And these mostly white people in Buckhead are now no longer trying to get their own city so they can maintain their own police force. They're trying to get it because the housing situation, they're afraid of black people moving in. That's the way it's being framed by the media. Actually, no, because as this reporter has to point out in his long diatribe about how this is all related to race and zoning, he points out that Buckhead would be exempt. There is a problem, however, not all of Buckhead would be exempt. Now, I, for one, favor changing zoning within a half mile of uh, metro stations like uh, subway stations like Atlanta has MARTA. It's not a very good subway system. It goes up and down and it goes across. It doesn't do anything else. It doesn't go where people want to go. But nonetheless, it goes. And I think you should be able to build a lot of high-density housing within a half mile of these stations so that more people can ride them and you might then be able to do a better subway system in Atlanta. But the problem is Buckhead understands that as the crowds grow and as the density grows, a lot of this, let's just be honest, I know you get screamed at for being a racist when you say it, but it's true. In a lot of these areas... You build low-income, high-density housing. You know what you get? Gangs, drugs, and crime. It's true. This reminds me of Mayor Mike Bloomberg in 2015. He was uh, undercover audio came out of him talking to the Aspen Institute about fighting crime and stop and frisk and why he supports it. And he supports it uh, not because black people are criminals, but because a lot of the criminals live in the black neighborhoods. And that's why you send the police in there, because if you catch them there with guns on their person and you send them to jail, you're going to reduce crime. It has nothing to do with race and everything to be able to do with criminals. But in the press, they've now tied the criminal element in the black community together. That, I think, is the racism. The fact of the matter is in the high density uh, projects of Atlanta, that's where you don't go at night. In fact, overwhelmingly, the criminal element in Atlanta happens to be young black men. And you're not supposed to talk about it because it supposedly makes you racist when you talk about it. But that's the data. Why can we not talk about the data? And so the city of Buckhead planners understand you build more low-income, high-density housing, you're going to get more crime. You're going to get more gangs. And the city can't keep up. The city can't hire enough police. So the city, the the Buckhead planners want their own city so they don't have to deal with this problem except at the periphery. At the periphery where they connect with Atlanta, it would be a problem still, but otherwise it wouldn't be. Now, part of Atlanta's problem is it's having this cascading effect to the rest of the the, uh, suburban areas, the Alpharetta area, the Roswell area, you name it, they're, they're having problems. Now, let's pull this out of Atlanta. Let's pull this to, oh, I don't know, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Same problems. And the media tact, again, is the same thing. It's racist. The white people who are upset about the crime, that's code for being upset with the black people. It's not true, 
But that's the way the media frames it because the media can't help themselves. All the media knows is a racial lens. And I say the media intentionally because it is the big three networks. It is CNN. It is MSNBC. It is groups like Bloomberg and the New York Times. They see everything through a racial lens because they have bought into the mythology of Nicole Hannah-Jones that 1619 and racism explains everything. Slavery explains it all. What they're doing here is trying to come up with a worldview. And the worldview to explain everything is that America is a racist nation. It all comes from 1619, and all of the entanglements of systemic racism are baked in. So when you see that prior to 1929, you had housing in Atlanta was segregated and zoned white and black, and they just flipped it to residential dwelling and apartment building and the apartment buildings were black. Well, it's still segregated because of that. They believe it's true because their worldview is premised on the racism of America. In all my years of walking this planet and all my years of searching, there's only one worldview that really explains all of this. It explains the divisions, it explains the racism, it explains the way the reporters myopically, single-mindedly cover it. It's called Christianity. The world's a fallen place full of sinners. And one day, there will be redemption for some of us and others will burn. It explains everything. But when you're godless, secular creatures of the media, you need a new worldview. And they've latched onto the 1619 Project and through it explain everything in America. And so when you look at the people of Buckhead, who for the first time in their existence, a well-to-do neighborhood with lots of millionaires, they're overrun with crime from people who don't even live there. They come in and they gun you down. They break into your home. They break into your car. They steal your belongings. They shoot you at your mall. They just want to be safe. But to the media that has bought into the worldview of 1619, they're racists for wanting to be safe. That's not going to fly well with the American public. And you may very well see this Buckhead community succeed. And when you do around the nation, you're going to see more and more of these suburban enclaves within cities say, hey, if they can do it, why can't we do it? And you know what's going to happen? The media is going to scream racism even louder. The phone number here, if you want to be a part of the program, is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I want to get to all the people on the phones uh, here in the next segment because I really want to say something I've been meaning to say uh, this whole time. And I'm finally getting to it. This is the holiday season, as you are aware. We're getting through Thanksgiving. We immediately pivot into Christmas, Hanukkah, the new year, into Epiphany, and then Mardi Gras season. Right now, there are a lot of people who are in need. But not only that, there are a lot of people who are depressed. I know there are a good number of people who like sun up in the morning, don't mind the early darkness. I, I get that. This is why Congress keeps daylight saving time and can't uh, get rid of it. Um, the, the, the nation is split on the issue. But there are a lot of people who have seasonal affected disorder. They just get depressed. There's not a lot of light out. 
There are other people who are depressed right now because they are struggling, so, so, so struggling. They're struggling to make ends meet. They're struggling to put food on the table. They're struggling to make people happy for the holidays. They're struggling because they don't have family. Family's gone. Family's died. Family's moved. They, they're not on good terms with their family. They're struggling because the people they want to see for the holidays can't be there. Their family is not with them. They want their family there. They can't be surrounded with their family. There are people who are seriously suffering right now. They're suffering to make ends meet. They don't have the money. They can't afford the food. They can't afford the travel. Or they're generally depressed. I think a lot of us know a thing or two about depression. But a lot of us don't understand that some of us can't shake the depression. And the darker days make it worse for a lot of people. So I just want to do my bit here to tell you to try to, when your patience is giving out, be real patient with people this holiday season, please. Be extra generous where you can be generous. Some of us can be very generous because we have not been as affected as others during this holiday season. But there are a lot of people who have been deeply affected negatively because of the virus, the economic impact, because of their situations. And so I just, I want to encourage you as best you can to be as generous as you can with as many people as you can, particularly with your family. There's a group I've had my friend David Huey on. They're trying to feed 25,000 families for Thanksgiving. $35 will be able to get a Thanksgiving meal to a family. If you have extra money around this holiday season, and I know things are tight right now for a lot of people, but if you do, if you text the word donate to 33777, I'll send you back a link to 25,000 meals. $35 will feed a family Thanksgiving. It's tax deductible donation. Y'all, regardless of who you help, how you help, please help if you can help. And then there's something else here, the other twist here. Some of you need help. All I can tell you is sometimes it's a big act of pride and swallowing it to be able to acknowledge you need help. And sometimes it's very hard. You don't want to hit rock bottom if you don't have to. Be willing to say, I need help. If you need help. And pray. Prayer works. But be generous this holiday season, please. And remember those who are struggling this holiday season, who need help, prayer, a helping hand, or even just a smile. Hello there. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here. I want to get to the phones. The phone number here is 877-973-7425. Greg has waited very patiently. Greg, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Eric, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Blessed Thanksgiving to you and yours. We have so much to be thankful for. You too. Um, bring this back to politics a little bit. I uh, didn't tell your call screener. Uh, my company, which shall remain, remain nameless, left Buckhead three years ago, and I could not be happier after working there for 30 years. Wow. Yeah, 30 years in Buckhead, financial district, financial industry. We left and uh, moved out near the Braves Stadium and could not be happier. 
good for you guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that whole area, the traffic and everything else in Bucket, in addition to the crime now. Yeah, yeah. And that's my topic is crime, and there's an opening for the Republicans to be the party of safety. And you've already talked about it with the governor candidate in Wisconsin. But it's beginning to hit, in real terms, financial terms, Best Buy today. Their stock is off over 12%. Because while they met their numbers in their quarterly earnings call, they missed their margins due to organized theft. And it's wow. beginning to have an impact on their bottom line and on the psychological well-being of their employees. Those were the direct words of their CEO today. Good this grief. is the real deal. It's big. Yeah, and, and you know, if you listen to Democratic politicians, they tell you that that crime is really not out of the ordinary. It's no big deal. But, you know, you talk to businesses around the country, and they say it is a very big deal. And, in fact, there are businesses shutting down around the country in certain parts of the country, putting people on the unemployment line because they're, they can't make a profit so much as getting stolen. Well, in California, you won't go to the shopping mall in the last hour the store's open because you're afraid there's going to be a flash mob robbing the store. Yeah, it's... It is not good. And, it, you know, again, I, I've i started being very particular about the hotels I stay in in Atlanta. And, in fact, normally in the evenings or first thing in the morning, I'll get up and go for a walk uh, when I'm staying at the hotel, just either wake up or, or try to wind down for the day. And the last several times I have headed out, the, the guy at the door at the hotel has done everything he can to dissuade me from trying to go for a walk uh, through a buckhead. And said, you, you don't want to do this. Uh, in the middle of the day now, people are getting shot. It's it's not good. My clients will no longer go to Linux Square. Period. That, End of story. That's crazy. Uh, the Which economic output from that mall over time has been amazing. And yeah, we're, we're and and the, the the people in Atlanta don't get it. And you know, the corollary here, Greg. And thanks very much for the phone call and for being patient with me. One of the corollaries for those of you outside of the Georgia area listening to this. Why, why should I care? It, it's major economic impact, not just in Atlanta, but everywhere is having this. Uh, and local Democratic mayors are refusing, as is the Biden administration, refusing to acknowledge there is a real criminal problem right now. And the police get tarred and feathered as racists when they try to do anything about it, which is deeply unfortunate. And, you know, just uh, you want to talk about economic impact. For those of you in the southeast listening, regardless of where you are, uh, Buckhead generates 40% of the tax revenue for the city of Atlanta. They become their own city. Taxes have to go up everywhere else in the city of Atlanta and probably airport fees, which also um, subsidizes the city to a degree. Now, I know most of the airport fees go back into the airport, but some fees can can roll out, and all those fees go up. And so wherever you are, if you fly through Atlanta, ultimately that affects your ticket price as well if Buckhead secedes from the city. And while I think it might probably have some bad consequences as they do, I am totally sympathetic to a lot of people in Buckhead wanting to have their own city now because the mayor of Atlanta has proven to be incompetent. Now, there is, for those of you who don't know, there's there's a mayoral election in Atlanta. Andre Dickens is in first place, according to a lot of polling. He's the only person running who has private sector experience. He's a little bit nebulous on what he would do with crime, but he gets there's a problem, and you've got to reassure the people in Buckhead uh, that he's going to take care of them because if they secede, and they very well could, it has a massive economic impact throughout the Southeast United States. It's, it's just, it's an interesting dynamic, but here's the thing. Had the mayor and city council of Atlanta actually taken care of this part of the city instead of calling them all racist and blaming them for the problems, they would have never gotten to this point.
regardless of where you are in the nation, when you start calling your well-to-do taxpayers racist and uncaring, they tend to get mad at you and want to do their own thing. Back to the phones we go. Noah, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Noah, you there? Well, uh, oh, hello. Sorry about there that. you are, Noah. How hello. are you? Sorry about that. Good. How are you, Eric? Good. What's going on? Hey, I just wanted to talk about this story I'm working on right now. Uh, I got a text from one of my friends who go to George Washington University that their email that their uh, their administration sent out an email wishing that everybody stays safe on Thanksgiving, but also to remember the Native Americans because it's a day of mourning for them. They said. Oh, good Lord. You know, I noticed, so I've got a holiday, like an RSS feed to some holiday calendar that Apple puts out. And I noticed on the calendar, let me get the name right. Uh, so I'm, I, I noticed this because I'm playing golf on Friday with a friend and it is now Native American Heritage Day is the day after Thanksgiving. And yeah, it, it does not surprise me that you got a bunch of universities. Remember, we're not allowed to call them American Indians anymore, for God's sakes. But um, the, the 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 trauma of the Native Americans. Now, let, let's let's. I, I'm I'm going to be mean to some people that they're not going to like what I say here. I'm glad you called in on this because uh, this this really gets me, folks. Do you know what the the Indians were doing to each other? The American Indians. I realize we're not allowed to call them American Indians anymore. They're Native Americans. I'm a Native American. I was born and raised in this country. Well, of course, I, I grew up overseas, but I'm, I'm from this country. My father is first-generation American, he, but he's a Native American. The, the American Indians. Uh, we, we, we have some view from progressives that they were some peaceful vegetarians who lived in harmony with nature. You know, the Wampanoag Indian tribes uh, made peace with the pilgrims because they were at war with the Narragansett Indians. They were, they were, they were barbarians to each other. The left would have the colonists and the colonizers be shamed into what they were doing. Do you know how many lives the Spanish saved because the Aztecs were a bunch of bloodthirsty, murderous barbarians who had sacrificed people to their gods. How many lives were actually saved as opposed to taken because of the Spanish settlers? Oh, yeah, a lot of people died. Let, let, let's not dance on that. A lot of people died. But how many were saved because of the Spanish? How many people were actually brought into civilization from tent dwelling to houses? Just because people lived on the plains in teepees and slaughtered buffalo so that they could live under their hides doesn't mean that they were peaceful dwellers with the, with the native lands. No, they fought each other ruthlessly, savagely. There's a reason we called them savages at the time, and it wasn't just because they lived a more primitive existence. They could be barbaric. They could be barbaric to the white people moving west. They didn't want to live in harmony with us. I'm sorry, I, I realize there's a lot of left-wing revisionism now that, oh, we have to call them the Native Americans. We have to believe that they had advanced civilizations, spaceships even. Nonsense. Nonsense. You ask yourself right now, would you rather live on a Native American reservation in this country? Or would you rather live in New York City? Now, if you like rural areas, maybe you do want to live on a Native American reservation. 
And you can say, if you're on the left, well, those people, they were rounded up from North Georgia and they were transplanted out there. It wasn't their native environment. No, you're, you're absolutely right. But you know what? I'm very proud of Western civilization. Doesn't make me white supremacist, but if you're progressive hearing me, you'll think I am because I'm very proud of electricity and I'm very proud of buildings and I'm very proud of the English language and I'm very proud of writing and I'm very proud of the Renaissance and I'm very proud of Christianity and I'm very proud of churches. I'm very proud of all of those things. I'm proud of Western civilization. I'm not ashamed of Western civilization. The people who've rejected Western civilization tend to be the people who have been the most barbaric on planet Earth. Western civilization and Christianity itself have been very refining for planet Earth. Yes, were there bad things? Yes. Were there sinners? Yes. Were there purges? Yes. Was there the Inquisition? Yes. But it's been far better than most of the alternatives. If you wish to celebrate the heritage of American Indians, go for it. There's a lot of cool stuff there. But let's not pretend it was somehow advanced or more civilized or more refined than what the pilgrims and the settlers from Europe brought. I have no reason to apologize for my heritage, and neither do you. There is a left-wing mythologizing that tries to make us ashamed of our heritage. And you're somehow a racist and a bigot unless you have a sense of shame. I have nothing to be ashamed of. Were there bad people? Yes. We fought a terrible, bloody civil war in this country because of slave owners. And you can say, well, it was more than that. That's fine. But history over time has revised it down to the point of slavery, which was a terrible institution and needed to be gotten rid of. But I'm not ashamed I'm from the South. I'm not ashamed I'm from the United States. I'm not ashamed that I'm the product of my heritage. I'm not ashamed of these things. I'm thankful for these things. I am thankful that I grew up in the land of the free and the home of the brave. I am thankful I'm a product of Western civilization and do not live under tyranny of the East. I am thankful that I am a Christian and saved and will have eternity with my God. I am thankful for these things. It is the left-wing mythologizing that brings out the sense of shame, that expects me to be ashamed, that expects me to worry and fret that, oh my gosh, some people want to stew and dwell in permanent victimhood and feel miserable and weird if you're miserable for them. No, I'm, I'm not going to feel miserable for you because you were born in the United States of America and you have the inheritance of Western civilization before you if you choose to have it. Some of you have rejected it and want to be angry and bitter. That's not my problem. You want to dwell on past injustice and believe we don't hang on to it enough? No, we move on. We move forward. You call yourself a progressive, and you're the one who wants to be regressive and hang on to the the injustices of the past. I will move forward. I'll leave it in your language. Lean into the future. That's far better than the past. And yet you bitterly cling to the past and demand the rest of us do as well and be guilty about it. Hell no. I'm going to sit around and have a wonderful Thanksgiving with my family. In fact, I've already had one of these meals with with my wife's family, and we rejoice in our blessings and our thanksgiving 
and I'm sorry if you're bitter and malcontented and think it's all terrible. You don't have to live here. But I noticed that the people who are the loudest bellyachers about the United States of America are the ones who insist that they have the right to be here and take advantage of the First Amendment to tell us all how terrible it is. Because deep down they know they are blessed and fortunate and live in the land of the free and the home of the brave with the rest of us. And we should be thankful for it and for them and their right to bellyache and moan. But we should resist the temptation to give in to it and feel guilty. Now, there's a company out there that is proudly American, proudly supportive of your American heritage and your Second Amendment rights and the right to life. It's called Patriot Mobile. You do business with them. They take a portion of their profits and they give it to the Second Amendment cause and the pro-life cause and the conservative movement because they're a part of it too. What you do is you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric slash E-R-I-C-K or you can call them. They've got 100% U.S.-based customer service. 972-PATRIOT is the number to call. They've got 100% U.S.-based customer service. They are proudly American. They're Christian. They're conservative. That's how they set up their company. They want to do business with you. They, they use the towers, the cell towers, all the other companies use. So you get 5G, you get data, you get great voice. You can even take your iPhone. You can port your number over. You can get a new cell phone number from them. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Tell them I sent you. Get free activation. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They want to help you wherever you are nationwide. If you got a business and your business wants to grow, reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. has all their contact info. Now, we're talking large loans here. We're talking half million and up, really. Uh, but they want to help you if you really want to take your business to the next level. Firstlibertyga.com. Spend just 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you. I forgot. I, I it, It's now, it's no longer even Native Americans. It's indigenous peoples. Indigenous peoples. How do we know that they were the indigenous people here? Because the Aztecs were killing all sorts of people. They could have killed them all off. You never know. My goodness gracious. I, I got I to gotta spend a moment here with you on uh, this audio from Jennifer Granholm, the Secretary of Energy. Listen to this. But the bottom line is that this president and this administration are looking at every single tool to shield American families from the impact of rising energy prices. And we're working through, we're working through an energy transition. And we've got to start by adding energy. And the reality is we have to take some time to get off of oil and gas. We recognize this. This is a transition. It's a transition to get us off oil and gas. So, you know, this is part of the problem with the Biden administration is they speak out of both sides of their mouth. They are telling us on one hand that they want us to, they want to do what they can to lower gas prices, but they really can't do anything. And on the other, they're saying, well, this is all part of the transition away from gas. The reality is this is willful and by design. So the Biden administration is going to release like 50 million barrels of petroleum out of the strategic petroleum reserve and it turns out they've already been releasing a bunch of it to asia yeah did you know that the last several months the biden administration this came out yesterday in bloomberg has been releasing strategic petroleum reserves to uh the asian market now they're going to release 20 million barrels we go or uh, 50 million barrels for perspective we go through 20 million a day yeah this is like, as somebody on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, I'd give them credit, said this is like releasing a toothpick because there's a lumber shortage. 
this isn't going to work, but they know it. This is all for show. They want you to think they care, but really what they care about is climate change. I mean, this is the president with Jay Powell. He's renominating for the Federal Reserve. As chair, Janner took a landmark review to reinforce the Federal Reserve's mission toward delivering full employment. We're making strong progress toward that goal now. And I believe Jay is the right person to see us through and finish that effort while also addressing the threat of inflation that it opposes to our families and to our economy. Jay and I have had a chance to discuss his views on priorities for the Federal Reserve in the years ahead. He's made clear to me a top priority will be to accelerate the Fed's effort to address and mitigate the risk, the risk that climate change poses to our financial system and our economy. Climate change. That, that's not within the wheelhouse of the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is to handle inflation and employment. It used to be that inflation was their only thing, and then they added employment and made that the higher mandate, but they understand that inflation hurts employment. So they go hand in hand together. Climate change is not in there. But this administration is convinced we got less than a decade or we're all going to die. So they're actually okay with higher oil prices. They actually do it as part of a design. Remember, before they came in, they were talking about how they needed to make beef prices more expensive because cows were part of the problem of global warming. So they needed you to eat less beef. They needed you to drive in less cars and drive less distance. Isn't it funny how all the things they said needed to happen before they got elected, they've made sure that'll happen. Now they're like, ah, it's not our fault. It's external forces. It's the external forces you chose not to hold at bay so that you could get these things. It's all by design. They do not care that you are paying as much as they are as you are at the pump, except for the fact that now Republicans may win an election. That's the only reason they care, because they think the higher the price, the less you'll drive, the less fuel you'll use, the better it is for the environment. And maybe you'll buy a Tesla, you poor person who can't afford it. It's all by design, folks. It is. All right. I'm out of here. You guys have a great rest of the day. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com.